0: Welcome back to the Most Hated F Word podcast, episode number three, with our guest, Ryan and Carolyn Patasky. If you want more, desire less. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F Word podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F word. This week, it's my pleasure to interview two of my great friends, Ryan and Carolyn. Carolyn is an analytical yogi, while Ryan is the social goof, but they both share a common belief on how you do anything is how you do everything. We're going to dive into their money mantra as a couple. If you want more, desire less. We're going to talk about what that means to them. We talk about how paternity leave changed Ryan's life, how their childhoods have individually impacted their beliefs and feelings around money and what they did as a couple to come to common grounds and how Ryan and Carolyn make financial decisions today that align with their true values. We also are going to talk about how they utilize mindful spending to make sure they're spending their money on proper things. We'll hear about how they went to Costa Rica for six weeks with their two kids and much, much more. If you have a money relationship, which by the way, you do because you have money, I suggest you listen today. I was thinking about guests to come on. I thought Ryan and Carolyn would be a great couple to start our interview series. And the reason being, and I won't share too much of their story, but Ryan and Carolyn, I don't know, how many years ago? Five. Five years ago. Close
1: to the date. How do you know what he was going to ask?
0: That's oh. a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I what was I going to ask? Were you going to ask when we started.
1: I thought he was going to ask, when did you get married?
0: Oh, <laughs> what were you going to ask? I, I was going to, when you <laughs> decided to leave your job. and Yeah, it would
2: have been let, five years ago. See, that was the question I thought.
1: So you're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember Ryan and Carolyn both, ha- you know, I'm not going to just tell the story. I guess I'm going to summarize and let them tell. But the one thing, Ryan came to speak at one of our conferences and I asked him to give me a bio. And it said he's a part-time dad and part-time business owner. And that really spoke to me. And I think it really hits the whole sentiment of the most hated F word.
2: Part-time stay-at-home dad. I'm a dad all the time. Oh, sorry. stay.
0: Sorry. Part-time stay-at-home dad. But I thought it was super important to also get Carolyn involved. And we had a great conversation with Ryan and Carolyn because obviously there's not just Ryan, there's Carolyn too. And her journey and I guess view on money and their relationship between money certainly is something that I look up to. So I'm happy to have you guys on the first show.
2: Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having us. I'm honored.
0: (laughs) The first guest. Okay, so maybe just tell us like quickly a little about yourselves. And then I do have some questions that are intentional questions that speak to the theme of our money relationships. But you want to give a quick overview of who you are and maybe a little bit about your money relationship, but don't give too much away because we're going to ask some good questions on it.
2: Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, so basically, like Sean mentioned, five years ago, we uh, decided to kind of break away from the the mold and start our own business and get away from the nine to five and basically just to spend more time together and with our families as they they were growing. And what was nice, was like, I guess, to to link to the money relationship was I think more more recently, Carolyn joined in and has gotten involved in the business. She's always been involved, but now she's very much hands on. And actually turned into my boss. And we've, we've pretty much, without failing, we had to define our, our kind of money relationship and, and kind of get in sync with one another and our plans and our goals and how to achieve our, our goals with our money relationship.
0: Something that I'd be curious about what, what made you guys think differently? I mean, you went to school, you have a couple of degrees, you were in a, Brian, that is, and, or, Sorry, I was pointing to Ryan there. But Caroline had a couple degrees. Ryan was in a stable, well-paying job. I guess, what, what was it that made you guys think differently and not go do your teaching uh, with your degrees and you stay in the, the business that you were involved with?
1: Well, I mean, I guess like from the female perspective, like why I didn't pursue the career at the time, I was just speaking to your wife about this, is that I ended up having kids and I don't know, It's it's harder for the female to let's say pursue, like in the moment that felt right for me. So that's the way I went. However, after I noticed that my children were a little more like functioning for themselves, I was able to, I guess, help out more with Ryan. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I I waited though. Right. I didn't jump in right away.
2: I would say that like our children were a huge factor. Like for, for myself personally, the big catalyst was, I took the paternity leave, the six month paternity leave once our second child was born. And I remember about halfway through that, having nightmares of being back at work and then really starting to push towards, uh, like what would life look like if we, we did break away and we could make that work for us ourselves. And, uh, we were blessed to have like some really good opportunities come our way and that we could do that. And, uh. Yeah, I think the motivation just to kind of be a family union. I I always had a really hard time leaving our the kids, and like, cause even when I was back at work, it would be I'd be away before anybody would wake up, and you know, even when they were really young, you know, bedtime being six o'clock, I'd get home around five and only get a, you know, an hour or so with them, and then be away before they woke up
1: because I was an anal mom and made the kids <laughs> go to bed. I wasn't one of those when I'm like, "Yeah, let them stay up." I sucked for the general public population did not like me as a mom, but I'm really happy I did it now. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, on this podcast, I want to explore a lot of our money relationships and the money scripts and stories that we tell ourselves. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about just change. And I know it's hard to change our money stories and our money scripts. And I often look at the iceberg model, where our actions on the outside is what everyone sees, but it's really the things below the iceberg—our thoughts, feelings, and beliefs—that create a real change or sustainable change. And just actually, two days ago, someone was telling me about this notion of toxic positivity, where they're like, "Oh, I am happy," but even though in deep si- deep down inside, there might not be happy. But if that positive affirmation, "I'm t- I'm happy," I should be happy. Good vibes only. She, she was a psychologist and she was just saying how that's actually quite negative. And it just reinforces that the things are aligned below. It just gets you frustrated and you start questioning why I can't change. So I bring this in because I think often with money and I think where we're going to be exploring with this podcast is our money stories. And it's not a quick fix solution. And this is why I'm more passionate about our money stories rather than save more buy this investment is because it's finding out what's underneath. So I've got some questions that are preset questions that I think can kind of help unearth and expose some of your below the iceberg feelings, if that's okay with you guys. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's Let's deep. go for a dive. <laughs> for a dive. Okay. <laughs> My first question, it's a one word answer, but feel free to elaborate. But when you feel, or sorry, when you think about money, you most often feel stress, overwhelmed, happy, excited, or neutral? Excited. Why?
1: Or I guess I should say in the present moment, excited. Yeah. Because it's, I think it depends on the, yeah, maybe where you're at. I don't know if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. there have been times where I have felt overwhelmed. So there have been times where I have felt stressed. Mm-hmm. In the moment, excited, only because, and who knows? Because I mean, oil just tanked. And <laughs> like, I don't know what it's going to look like in the near future. But I just, I feel excited about it just because I feel like I have, a good, I guess it's like a sense of control over it at this moment. Mm-hmm. So when, and I guess that's like my, I don't want to say need to control, but in terms of like money, if I feel confident about my understanding of my own money situation, then I'm excited about it.
0: Right. And and I guess I'd say, and that's not to say that the other feelings don't come in. It's just, right. this is most often feeling like, it's not like you're,
1: or present moment, I, yeah, th- I should say. Right. Like, just like right now, that's how yeah, I feel. Okay, perfect. Tomorrow might be different.
0: I would, uh, I, don't, I
2: don't think this was an option, but I would say like.
0: You can make whatever safety. option.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> I would say like content is a good one. And, and just comfortable. Like, I've been stressed about money. I've been overwhelmed about it. But I feel like at this present moment, it's like we've, we've grown up and we really have kind of figured out who we are. And with that, it's easy for me to be comfortable. Like every purchase that we make right now is, is kind of a reflect of who, we've, who we want to be. So that's where I would use the word comfortable and
0: content. Sometimes in the financial planning world, we say, if we look at someone's bank account, we can see what they value. So uh, in, in line with your question or your answer, if uh, we looked at your bank statement, what would it show you that you value?
2: Ooh.
1: Just quick question on that. Do you yeah. mean like look at the bank statement as to like what we're purchasing yeah. or how much money is no in the what bank you're purchasing? Oh, okay. what you're spending your money on? Okay, interesting. I feel like it would say a lot about us. Yeah, value. Like, okay, <laughs> 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 in that realm, yes. Okay. Like, so you would see like purchases from Value Village, but then you'd also see like interesting restaurants that we go to, lots of food. like lots of experiences that we do, right? Yeah. So yeah, but it would. I think it would say a lot oh, in terms of.
2: Yeah, I would say, like, for sure it would show that we have a maybe an unhealthy love for eating out. Yeah. <laughs> but it also would show that we don't really do much else. And a lot of experiences. Like, I would say our biggest expenses any year is trips. Like, we just went to Whistler, and so you'll, you'd you see, a like, a big dent there. It's not a cheap place, but something that we don't regret. Mm-hmm. And so food and experience would be kind of the two things that you
0: that would show up you guys went to whistler and i know you went to uh vernon i think yeah re- like recently
1: oh yes you're yeah.
0: eating out a lot i guess what do what do you guys do to be able to manage to be able to go on these trips and live these experiences but yet earlier you say you're content with your money and you feel excited about your money so is there things that you've specifically done to enable you to be able to eat whatever food you want and uh, go on these trips
2: yeah well i'd say for me i, I think i was like Like much worse than you were for eating out and having lunches out and even just making those impulse like, oh, I'm in between here and there, so I'm going to stop and grab a $5 coffee, things like that. And I think those types of purchases don't happen anymore for me. Like definitely really gauging how far away I am from from our house so that I can wait and eat there. Mm -hmm. That is a big one. And then I think another one was just not really jumping on purchases like well just recently we got back from whistler and i've been like looking at skis and just like five ten years ago i would have just bought them i would have them already and now i'm like okay wait can i afford this is this the purchase that I like really sitting on big purchases Mm -hmm. is a big one for me
0: often people feel stressed by their money when they feel like they just want everything and they start consuming and Mm -hmm. buying and everything's drawing them the skis the food the non-value village I guess just simplify the question is, do you have a mechanism or a lens to view your purchases so that you can go to Whistler, go on these other trips, right. eat mm-hmm. at the restaurants you want and not feel overwhelmed with all the ex- other expenses coming in?
1: Yeah. And I think that at least, I don't know if this is a lens or like a belief system, however you want to say it, but I think moderation is something that I, I don't know if you want to even call it a mantra almost, Mm -hmm. but it is definitely something that I consistently try to keep in my life in general. And so money is included in that or spending of money or hoarding of money, however you want to, Mm -hmm. however you want to put it. But I would say that, you know, it's, it's a bit of like kind of being really mindful. And it's like, you almost, I get to a point where it's like, if we're doing too much, it becomes not fun anymore. Right. But then also if I'm not doing it enough, it's not fun anymore. So it's always just kind of seeking that, that point, at least for myself and navigating around that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Cause I find if we're eating out so much or like, you know, back to back trips, like it almost doesn't feel as fun. I don't know. And so there's like a sense that it's like, I'm going to save in certain areas, but only to a certain extent and then really enjoy in other areas. Right. But it is this like sense of balance. Yeah. I don't and know if I answered the question did. there, and, and but it's like a weird.
0: I would say uh, something just, I know personally, your sense of balance. I know you guys can do these trips because you drive all brand new 2012 or 2020 vehicles all the time, upgrade every year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's,
2: and the Valley Village is a perfect uh, example or even analogy for the way we, what is it? The way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so we don't love the close at Valley Village. Yeah. What we love is eating out and going on trips. And so we do. We're more frivolous or frugal when it comes to purchasing clothes than it is, especially for our children. Then, and so that we can be frivolous when we are on a trip. Mm-hmm. And and I mean that goes the same right. with with vehicles. If we can save thousands of dollars by buying a car a car that's ten years old or yeah, it's mm-hmm. still in good shape, mm-hmm. then we'll we'll do that before looking cool in a brand new vehicle. Not that brand new vehicles aren't awesome, but it's just not important to us. Right.
1: And on that, I just want to say that that's just how I like to spend my money. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's like a big important thing is that some people really like to spend their money on on those things. Yeah. And I and I think that they should if they can. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I've I've just always thought about like or we talk about often like the things that are important to us. And driving a brand new vehicle has never really been important to us. It's mm-hmm. not, I don't, we don't really care about that. Mm-hmm. So if we can spend our money on the things that we want, but I do know that other people find a lot of value yeah. in a brand new vehicle. And so if it's there for them, mm-hmm. can. I don't know. Yeah. And there's something it's very that, personal, It is how you very, spend your money.
0: I was just going to say, this yeah. is something that I always struggle with is uh, being in the personal finance space and having my own views and my own iceberg on personal finance. But personal finance is just that it's personal and I I never, ever want to come across as my values or yours of older vehicles are good is not what everybody should do. But that leads me into something that I think is really important. And you've kind of touched on this, Carolyn, is you mentioned mantra. And I find it so unique that in business 101, everyone does a mission statement. Why does that business exist? Which essentially tells the company on how to spend their money on certain things. I find that as households, as relationships, we don't really have a a mission statement or money mantra or a financial why I've called it before off of like Simon Sinek's start with why, so to speak. Do you guys have a household financial why or money mantra? Basically answering the question, why do you exchange your finite time to work for money and how do you spend that or like a guiding principle on how you spend your money?
1: So Ryan said earlier, one thing, and this is, kind of funny, but it's like, Ryan's like, yeah, Carolyn became my boss. And uh, like, I think it
0: came or yeah. Like it he was just like, realized.
1: well, it was like, yeah, no. <laughs> so I'm like, it, you know, typically the women tend to be the managers of the house. Like that's kind of how it goes when you kind of co inhabit a place you start to, or like, and start to share money and share whichever you really do. Not necessarily saying your mantras out loud, but they kind of just form. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in general, in order to keep Clerico kind of going and our house going and all these things, like, I feel like I kind of started a bit of a mantra and almost, I feel like I talked you into it <laughs> oh, in yeah. certain ways, right? Like I was like, this is this very strong belief system that I have. And and then reverse wise, you've, you've also kind of helped me let go of a, a little, a few things too, right? Mm-hmm. But in general, like with the mantra, I don't know if there's one like that we're actually saying out loud. Right. But it is kind of along the lines of like balance. But I feel like I'm the one that that made that happen. (laughs) Like or I'm like making you guys do it. I guess I should say. Yeah.
2: I'm I mean, yeah. I would I wouldn't say you're making us do it. Like one thing that is definitely worth mentioning is it has been a journey. It has Mm -hmm. been like it wasn't like, okay, let's flick the switch, let's start a company, let's change the way, you know, like it it started off. When before, I always call it my previous life when I was working for somebody else and never had to worry. Mm-hmm. Four o'clock or whenever I got home, done. I never thought about it. I never looked at my phone and I never had to worry about, like I had a company vehicle. I had the whole, like, you know, everything was super secure and we, were, we never had to worry about money. We could just spend it and we would. So we did, we did have this life where we bought a brand new vehicle. And, and then I think it was like a year later, we were like, this isn't for us. You know, this wasn't, it gave me more stress to see children wreck a brand new vehicle than having a brand new vehicle. Mm -hmm. So it's been a journey. I think the one thing too is uh, that I've learned, and it's worth mentioning, I grew up, uh, my father was a business owner. So I saw the workings of a a business that went from small basement into a big, like, you know, Alberta wide company. Mm -hmm. And with that, I had an, a vision of what running a company would look like. And so I was kind of starting my business with the, I guess, a projection and a vision in my mind where I would one day have a fleet of company vehicles. I would have uh, like 50 employees and we'd have head offices and all that stuff. And then when Carolyn really came on, we really started to simplify things. And we even re- we grew to a point where we had even just a handful of employees. And it got to a point where we were like, this is getting more complicated. What are we building this company to become and why are we doing that? And then you really brought it in, like put the reins on and said, hey, we can do this. We can simplify this. We can take on less work and have the same outcome and not have the stress of running a huge business and everything that comes with that. And that really aligned with who we were so we we kind of funneled ourselves of kind of making choices not so much failing but testing the waters to be like okay no this isn't for us and then we're i feel like we're in a really good space right now where we've we know if something comes across our table or as an opportunity it's it's dead dead yes or no mm-hmm. like we know if that's going to be good for us that's going to fit us or it's not so the growth towards that's been really yeah and I think that's where you came in and you kind of got to see a lot of inefficiencies and a lot of questions that like a lot of work that was being made that wasn't justified. As to our goals, we weren't taking this on to make our goals or to achieve our goals. It was to achieve a vision that wasn't even mine of what a, a successful business looked like.
0: Yeah. I think that's super interesting how the Carolyn's mantra, our belief of balance came over and influenced, like your prior vision, which I think it'd be interesting to dive into a bit of your past money relationships. But um, often we, we get these visions of this is the way it should be. And we just act like a lemon and just follow it to what's that saying? Hell or high water. Yeah. And, and it's interesting how compatible you guys actually are with your money stories and money relationship that you're just, you had this vision based on a prior experience that you've seen that worked well And just to be able to change that, I think is based on what I've talked to different clients. And it's not something that we see happen so quickly or easily. And I don't know if it was, sorry, I shouldn't say that. It might have been easy, but with not much emotion, you could see that there's not much emotion going on there. So I want to dive into a bit of your past money stories or scripts. So there's a psychologist and financial planner that I really, really admire. His name is Dr. Brad Klontz. And he's come up with four money scripts that we've developed when we were about one to five years old in our formative years that really explain how we feel, think, and act about money. And often these things are running subconsciously, subconsciously in the back of our minds. We don't realize it. And in his work, it's a lot about gaining awareness about those scripts and those tendencies and coming to terms with them and then being able to make a positive changes moving forward if need be. So I'm going to read the scripts. And maybe one at a time, you guys could say what you feel like your money script would be. And I'm just interested to see if you guys are similar, if you're not. And because again, the synergy between your guys' current money stories, you could tell is quite balanced with each other. Okay, so the first one is muddy, or money conversations are avoided at all costs. So basically money avoidance. You uh, avoid money conversations and money at all costs. It makes you feel stressed, overwhelmed, et cetera. Second one, is you believe money is the key to success. Simply put, money is a symbol of success. The third one, money equals status. So this one's a lot about our net worth equals our self-worth. So we have big houses, big cars. Those are some examples of things that might be status that make us feel good. And the last one is spending money is hard because you want to save. This is also known as money vigilant. So these people have a higher tendency to save, but also have stress related when they have to part their ways with their money. So I'll go over them again. Money, you avoid money conversations. You believe money is the key to success. Money equals status or money vigilance when you have a hard time parting ways with your money.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I think I'm a little bit of like money is key to success. And then the, and I, and this is where I kind of feel like it kind of plays off of each other, but the vigilance one as well. There's a line in a song that I remember a long time ago, and it, it goes kind of like, you know, where you kind of end up usually depends on where you start. And I think that people who kind of have money already have a lot more opportunities and people who don't have money, like they have to work a lot harder for that opportunity. So, and I, I have seen that throughout. And I think that, so that is that holds true to me. And so with that being said, I don't love to spend money in silly ways, I guess is how I would see it, because I want to make sure that I'm using that money for further opportunities, if that right. makes sense. Yep. So I'm quite thoughtful or, you know, people would call it frugal, but I find it is actually very mindful with what, how I want to spend my money because I actually want to utilize that money to create success for myself. Right. So I'm kind of both.
0: Can I ask a question? Sure. What is success for yourself?
1: I would say success is, I, like, it sounds kind of weird, but it is that feeling of content, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I can buy this if I want to, or I don't even know. Like, it's kind of like a weird, that's a weird, a weird thing. I don't know. Like, I feel successful right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't have, I don't know if I have a lot to show for it, but I feel successful. I don't know yeah. how to explain it. Like, but I don't that, feel like I'm... and. That's
0: a big reason why I thought it'd be great to have you guys on is because there's this idea that to be successful, we need to be a millionaire and our success is defined right. by our bank account. Or if we there's financial independence, meaning that I have enough investments put aside that I can live off my interest, that I'm successful if I have that. But for me, I wanted to explore, and that's what we're doing here, is can we not be successful and feel successful without having a million dollars or millions of dollars? And can we do that without quote-unquote being financially independent where I'd never have to work a day in my life again? And I I think what you're saying is the answer is yes.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, and that's where maybe it gets like misinterpreted sometimes, like with the money and success thing, is that whatever, there was a stat a really long time ago and what was the, like the average amount was supposed to be like $80,000. I think that that number has changed. But they said about $80,000 is the amount that you would be fine. Mm -hmm. Like if you were, if you could pull in that amount. It was the optimal. Or optimal. Yeah. So then, yeah, like it's like this, whatever number. So it's like, and there's the idea that it's like, our, if our basic needs are met, so we have a house and we are, have food in our bellies and we're, you know, in love with our community and all those things. If those things are met, like that is actually what success is. And I, and I don't want to say that money hasn't got me there because mm-hmm. a certain amount of money did get me there. Yeah. Yeah. But more of that money isn't going to make it better. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm like, I feel successful. But I think it's it's because I was like I'm also like mindful around like how I spend that money. Right. And I don't know if I kinda of go in, in circles, but
0: No, yeah. no, and there's two things that I really like about that is A yes that the study and I think it was Princeton University that they looked at once your those immediate needs are met, there's no correlation with money and happiness. But there is a big distinction distinction, then after that amount, if you use money as a tool to do things that are worthwhile in life, then there's now a correlation with money and happiness when it's used as a tool to do something that makes you happy or feel fulfilled. As I hear you talk about success and you did talk about money being a part of that, but I think it's an ingredient to success and not money in and itself.
1: Yes, that's true. I think that's a better way of putting it. Like it's Well not better. It's a tool. Like it's like you're you're using money as a tool. Yeah. You're not using it as like Oh, I don't even know. Like, yeah. Or a benchmark
0: is once I get this much money, then I'm going to be good. happy. Like
1: this or this, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where like the whole mantra with like balance, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not looking, uh, yeah. Like I'm not looking at certain things, but in a certain, in a certain way I am. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I have certain things that like, I, I can't say like I'm okay with just living in a trailer somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest, mm-hmm. right? So I do have certain things that, you know i I see as like successful yeah where but other people wouldn't right right, like people would be surprised mm-hmm. to know but I think whatever
0: that's why I went back to that mantra and asked you guys about that because when we know what makes us happy, what makes us excited, then we can allocate our money towards those things, and then we use money as a tool to do the things that make us happy, and we become excited about our money. I think it's when we think we should be spending our money on this big shiny car because we think it's going to make us feel better and it doesn't and we get drowned in monthly payments and we can't figure out how to how to get out of this and it's because all those external things are coming at us being the commercials buy this car buy this computer buy that but i absolutely agree that money can be a tool or an ingredient to find happiness and increase your happiness i mean i'm looking right now with my bike behind you my bike costs money but Doing Ironman fulfills me. It makes me feel Absolutely. good. Yeah, right. Having the cash that it cost to buy the bike doesn't fill me up in the bank account, but it's when I use it towards something that makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. A tool. How about you, Ryan?
2: It's funny because I can like look back and see how I've changed. Like as a child, we never really avoided. I, I like growing up with, uh, you know, my father was always – Yeah, I always had that entrepreneurial or or passed on that entrepreneurial spirit, and so we talk about money all the time. Talk about ways that I could earn money, all that stuff. But I do remember growing up with not very little, but not not very much. I think we were happy. We were your typical like middle class. I remember not being able to do things. I remember having, you know, your your. I don't know how many roasts we would have because it was like the (laughs) cheapest thing you could eat. You could mm-hmm. eat. So we would, it wasn't, we didn't, never grew up poor. We were still able to do things. But I do remember a specific time when I could feel the success in our family. I could feel like, okay, now, now we can start doing things. Now cars are starting to look new and shiny. And now we're going on trips and now we're doing that. And then I could, with the taste of that, I remember linking up, having a very much a status relationship with money. Where I could say, okay, now we've achieved this. Now we've mm-hmm. become different people. And I've, I, I held on to that for a long time and probably up until even after we started our own company. I even felt like me being an entrepreneur was a status move, was like, oh, I'm, I'm my own business owner. I, I identified a lot with that. I mean, I still, still do in a way, but not, it wasn't like, hi, shake my hand. This is what I, I, I own my own company.
1: Cause that was even your very strong belief about having this many doors or this many trucks and this many fleets and Mm -hmm. like all those things that it was very much like that, that means I have a business and I was always Mm -hmm. like, that's just a waste of money. (laughs) So (laughs) don't be wasting the money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: no, it's true. So I did have a really strong status relationship with, with money. And obviously I think when money gets tough, everybody goes into the avoidance. But at the same time, I would say now i little bit more of the i guess a little bit more status but not for in comparison to to other people like the way that i view myself doesn't depend on my my money relationship it's now how we spend like you know i'm proud to to say yeah we went on a trip to Costa Rica. we went on a trip to whatever those are the things that i feel like or or that I, I, I connect or that I identify with. Like even when I go and pick up the kids from school or I'm at school for a field trip and I'm the only dad, yeah. I, For some, that just really makes me feel mm-hmm. awesome and more so than a new car and more so than a new right. and, and so I still relate it to status, in a, but it, I think in a different way.
0: Who's that status for, yourself or just someone externally looking at you?
2: A little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, internally, I want to be there for my kids. Mm-hmm. I want to be, be there, front row, like he said. <laughs> and uh, that's a huge internal motivation. But at the same time, I'd, I'd be lying if I said other people's views of, you know, like I, I, I do like when people go, oh, I wonder what that guy does to be able to, mm-hmm. or maybe he
1: doesn't do anything,
2: <laughs> he's of you
1: know, like, he's married to a crappy mom. So he's really <laughs> yeah. got to step it up. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my own deep inner
0: <laughs> <That's> your, <laughs> Whatever. something that. else coming up <laughs> you mentioned about a few times time and you alluded to costa rica which i think is uh, amazing that you guys were able to go to costa rica with your kids for six weeks in the middle of march was it a yeah. year, yeah. year ago year ago exactly. wow year ago, yeah. and, and those are things that people look at others and be like how do you do that And I I do believe that everyone has the ability to do those. Not wait, well, back up. I do, not everybody, but after you have that certain income threshold that we talked about when your basic needs are met, when you have this discretionary income, we do have the ability to do that, but it's hard. And it's going back to that iceberg model, looking down below. What is, why are we spending our money on these things? And using Brad Klont's money scripts to get an idea. Is it money status? Is it money success? And doing the work required, but it's interesting how, I guess it's like many changes is we, we see something, but doing the, the work, so to speak, is, is hard. And I think you guys certainly have done that. And I think it's impressive, but you mentioned about your, your upbringing a few times. So my next question for both of you guys is when you were growing up in hindsight, now, what money stories were you telling yourself? So, Ryan, you already kind of touched on this about how there's some frugality then money was a bit of success, but as kids, what what did money mean to you, and what stories did you come telling yourselves as you grew up?
1: Yeah, so my I don't like I don't even know where to begin with my money story, or, like or how to explain it really, but like I feel like it, it's weird because you had mentioned like the the one psychologist had said between one and five years old somehow you yeah. have created this script and like it, which is so interesting to me because I've always thought that you were born with it. Like I always thought like this is like an innate thing. You were born either believing this or believing that because. You know, I look at my sister and I, and we look back at our childhood very differently and mm-hmm. how my sister is with money versus how I'm with money. And Can maybe I say it's, something really quick on this? Sure. I was
0: talking to a psychotherapist about this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And he said that everyone's born with a personality and then the environment influences that personality. Right. So that's why, because we're talking about money scripts, like why siblings have different ones. Right, yes. And he, he related back to personalities, but then they get influenced differently. Influenced by the same situation differently.
1: Right, right. Yeah, because, I mean, I have numerous memories of, you know, me listening to my parents argue about money. And for me, like, I was listening to them, I'm like, it's just so clear to me. I'm like, you guys are just wasting your money. Like, and this is, like, my 10-year-old self listening to them, like, argue. And my sister, like, didn't care, didn't notice, like, whatever. My sister would have, she would find a Toonie. Like, if I would find a Toonie, and, like, I mean, Toonie, whatever— Like, I would already have money in my bank, and I would, like, add that Toonie to the bank account. My sister would, like, no joke, go to, like, the video store because they had VHSs on for, like, a dollar. And she's like, I just bought two VHSs (laughs) because I had a Toonie. And I'm like, you're a nut bar. Like, I'm (laughs) like, you don't have any money. She has zero money. Zero money. And she finds this Toonie. That's how she spends it. And that's pretty much been— I Sorry, I'm going to tell one more funny story about my sister. I think this is really funny. Wait, wait, this is 10 years
0: old? You were already— stock no. in the bank account?
1: Oh yeah. I, yeah. No, like I had, I had an RSP when I was 17 years old. Yeah. I went and it was really funny because originally I had a bank account that my dad had opened up for me. And then I looked into the PC financial when I was 17 years old and it was a no service bank account. And I closed my bank account when I was 17 and opened up a PC financial because there was no service charges. And it was like groundbreaking at the time, 17 years old, people were like, Oh my God, but you need to see a teller. And I'm like, tellers are annoying. I don't want to stand in line. I don't want to do anything. Not to mention they're not gonna charge me $10 just for me to have my money in the bank account. I'm like, it makes zero sense. And I remember getting so angry at the bank as a young, as a young teenage, year old. like 15-year-old. Like my money would go into the bank account, worked at McDonald's for twenty five an hour. Just gonna say that. And my money would go into this bank account. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm paying these charges. So PC Financial, that was the first one, like superstore, had no charge. Anyways. That was one thing. I'm just saying, I've always been this way. Yeah,
0: But <laughs> w- why do you think? Like,
1: I have no idea. Like, this is where I'm like, I was born, like we were, I was just born with this thought because I would listen to my parents. Maybe explain would be, a bit
0: more about what yeah. you would listen to.
1: Okay. So like, so for example, I'm going to say my parents had some strong vices. They like to drink and they like to gamble. You know, they smoked weed, smoked mer- or smoked cigarettes. Like these are all huge money outs, right? As a child, like, you know, not really getting it. Like, the stress of whatever life is like. But they'd be like, I remember they were like, we, we need a deck. We need to build a deck. Oh, we don't have money for a deck. We don't have money. I'm like, of course you have money for a deck. Don't go. So Ray's was their bar that they would go to. My dad would have pro lines every Sunday. He'd have all his pro lines lined up. They'd be in some NFL pool. They would be, my mom went to bingo every Sunday. Let me see. VLTs, you you watched them do. What was the one when you came Kino. over? Kino. Keno, whole, the whole community is at, at my mom's house. Let's go, Keno. Let's go down to the thing. And we're just sitting there just like, oh my God, these people have no money. <laughs> like they have no money and they're just burning it like zero, okay? Anyways, so this is what I would watch. This, then i listen to them fight all the time. And I'm like, guys, it's simple. Don't drink as much. You don't need to go to raise every Wednesday. You don't need to have pro lines every Sunday. You don't need to go to bingo every, I'm like, simple, simple, simple. But for them- I'm not sure. Like, it was how it was fulfilling to them, which wasn't for me, Mm -hmm. right? Like, those are vices that I take it or leave it, you know? I use it as a bit of entertainment, but it was, like, a serious vice that, for me, was really hard for me to watch. I mean, it's laughable now, but, like, yeah, it kind of built me to more of, like, who I already am. I don't know.
0: Mm -hmm. It made you open up that RSP at 17 years old. Yeah. 15, whenever it was. Well,
2: I think at the same time, like, I, I do know that like it is easy to bring up those emotions if we start wasting money you get really mm-hmm. yes like on edge you yes. get very uh yeah it brings up those negative emotions so you do have like some vigilance there due to some stresses that just like, <laughs> just a little, yeah. just a little. <laughs> Yeah,
0: they
2: they were, yeah. (laughs) They're
1: ingrained forever.
2: (laughs) The seed was planted, but
1: not for my sister. That's what I mean, though. Like it's like, but not for my sister. Yeah, she honestly could. She doesn't even care. And like the one story, I don't know. Do we have time? The one story I want to tell about my sister is like she told me the story, and I laughed so hard. She was in Australia, zero money left, ten dollars to her name, ten dollars in Australia to her name. When I traveled, I had thousands of dollars in the bank, Mm -hmm. thousands. Because I was like, there's no way I'm going to get to that place. So my sister, $10, not even in the bank. I think she had $10 on her. And she's like, this is the last of my money. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? That night, they all go out to the bar and it was $10 pitchers of beer. What does she do? I'm in. (laughs) But everyone bought a pitcher of beer. Funnest night of her life, apparently. Mm -hmm. Well worth it. Next day, my mom sends her $1,800. That was like some sort of refund for like for income tax or whatever, that just came to her. Good time. And my mom put it in the bank for her. And I'm just like, you know what? That just, of course that would happen to her. (laughs) Do you know what I mean though? But she lives her life differently. (laughs) Yeah. Like I would never even allow it to be to a point where I'm making a choice between a pitcher of beer and, you know, noodles to Mm -hmm. eat. But that's what she did. And Mm -hmm. She bought the pitcher of beer. Like, I wish I could live a little more like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly interesting how... I don't think on the surface we really realize how much those money stories as kids actually influence. Like, I mean, you can certainly hear it in your voice. (laughs) And that's where the balance comes from now. Uh, We're talking about Ryan wants to develop this fleet of cars and you're, no, 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 rein that spending back in. A a, a little question though, and I struggle with this. And I think a big part of this podcast is just exploring things because we, none of us have all the answers. But what happens if your parents found the most joy in life about doing the things that they did. I don't know the answer, but what do you think?
1: Like, okay, so...
0: So like we get these sometimes lenses on, hey, people should spend their money this way. And I think that I often have to be careful of what my lens is on, my values on how to spend money. But do you think your parents, like it's about being happy. Life's about being happy. Do you think your parents, do you think your parents were using money as a tool to live their mantra or their financial why? Or was it toxic?
1: And... Like, and I think the reason I get passionate about it is because it was toxic. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I think that if I did see it as a way that they were happy and mm-hmm. they living their best life, I would be okay with it. Yeah. Like, I, even like yeah. when I talk about my sister buying that pitcher of beer, mm-hmm. it's not an angst. It's actually like a funny story. And yeah. she really was living her best life, <laughs> right. Yeah. right? But when I talk about my parents, like I said, many arguments, like, yeah. m- like anxiety right.
0: yeah. building
1: arguments, like as a child, and it mm-hmm. was always about that. So mm-hmm. I was like- you're not making the right choices. Right. And so I think that's yeah. more of the, yeah. If I saw them happy, I would mm. be like, right on. Yeah. But it's different now. Like you I, might I have even been going to raise
0: now. Oh, if raise? You saw them yeah,
1: I know, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, my sister always did.
2: Who's hated F-word? Sponsored by raise.
1: Raise <laughs> <Yeah>, uh-huh. <laughs> shut down and it's because my parents don't live here anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think for me like to just quickly talk about uh, like my parents. One thing that was really interesting was watching, I know I've talked about my dad a, a little bit, but he he gave up a lot to do his business, mm-hmm. to run it. I think I remember when I was a, like I don't know how old I was, I must have been like maybe 12 or 13 and he we were driving took a trip to BC just in a motorhome, an old used motorhome that we bought. And uh, we got to Jasper and we were right at you know, where you're going through the mountains and there's like the lakes, big yeah, flat yeah. glacier lakes there. Yeah. Um, and we stopped there and we were throwing the ball around and everything. And he just stood beside me and he was like, do you know today is my first day off in five years? Like wow. first day off mm-hmm. in five years. I would never do that. But at the same You'd time. You'd never do
0: what, tell it or? No, I would never. Wait five years. Yeah.
2: Wait five years to take a day off. Yeah. Like, you know, I would never have that much grit, mm-hmm. you know, And now he, he worked so hard from nothing, sold his company and retired very comfortably. And I, and I get to see his happiness now Mm -hmm. and see how he's like, he's finally in a place where he kind of, he wants to be. It did come at a cost too. Like, I mean, my brother and I were six years apart. I got to, I got to see a little bit different side of my dad than he got. Mm -hmm. He got a little bit of a busier dad who missed things than I did. So their relationship's different than ours. Right. So I think it does come at a huge cost. And I don't know if he has regrets, but Mm -hmm. I think at the same time, I I got to see firsthand like the power of delaying gratification.
0: Right. So this actually brings me to something that I'm always fascinated in, like hearing people's perspective about delayed gratification. And, and I know you can't answer this for your father, but maybe for yourself being a father. Delayed gratification, I think, when we want to achieve something worthwhile, there's some delayed gratification. But when we look at our, our lives in terms of, I mean, we only have the present, how much time should we sacrifice, knowing time's finite, versus how much time should we sacrifice for this thing called money that's really infinite, or infinite amount of money? Well, technically, there's probably a finite amount, but essentially it's infinite. Nothing. Not so far. Yeah. Um, with this cryptocurrency, who knows? But anyway, in your perspective, seeing what your dad did and you, of course, Carolyn, add into, how do you come across that balance of how much time should I sacrifice now for who knows if this even happens in the future and at what cost?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I have a really hard time sacrificing time. I, like our whole business model is all about like, residual income, trying to get the most out of, of a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I I couldn't imagine giving up 40 hours of my week now for an X amount of money.
0: I just love how you, your default is 40 hours. Most yeah. people are like, I'm not going to give up 70 hours to work <laughs> yeah. all that over extra time. You're yeah, like, well, don't know the well, regular shift.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and the other, the, the the difference is though, I, like I do work more than 40 hours a week yeah. now but it is my time.
0: Right, right.
2: It's not at, at somebody yeah. else's job. It's not at, because somebody else told me to go there. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a big difference for me. And yeah, I'd have a really hard time giving up. I mean, we always give up time, but I think where I am is it really needs to be valuable and it needs to be, like there's a lot of things to weigh out. Is this taking away from my children? Is this taking away from my family? Is this, is there, am I missing dinner because of this? Is this the sixth, or fourth dinner in a row that I'm missing, then it, you know, those things start to start to pile up and then, then, then it becomes, okay, now it's not worth my time. Right. So I don't know if that answers. Yeah. And I I think it
0: goes back to something Carolyn was talking about earlier about being intentional about your spending right now. You're intentional not to buy the new car so you can go to Whistler, but being intentional with your time Mm -hmm. and controlling it. I know there's a, a lot of people who feel that if they can control their time, then they might even work more than 40 hours a week. But the, the fact that they're controlling their time and maybe doing things that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the <clears throat> delayed gratification and the balance of trading our finite time for something bigger for versus letting those precious years go by? Someone once told me we only have 18 summers really with our kids because mm-hmm. they're 18 and they're off doing their own thing. Yeah. So what's your take on that, Carolyn?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like we're probably on the same page. Hey, like in terms of just really developing, like I even like whatever we were saying, like a mantra before, mm-hmm. like in it's it is about a, like a balance and you can see. And I feel like we are quite lucky in that we can we can be like, hey, we have the time and we're gonna like spend it like full on focus, like get it all done so that we can do these other things. Does yeah, that make yeah, sense? Yeah. So it's like, and in terms of like the delayed gratification, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess like my our goal, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think for me, I'm just going to de- desire less things so ah, that I yeah, can I mean. have more time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and that's like a big, yeah. we even had that on our our. That a at great, one point. That
2: was a big one. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's like, how do you become more rich? It's like desire less. And so things. You want things,
0: things, yeah. If yeah. you want
1: more, desire less. And so I think, and more time. Yeah. So anyways, I think that's where it comes into like, very often we're like, do we need this thing? No, we don't. And so therefore, that's a little more money in the bank account, let's say, which makes... We don't have to work as much, mm-hmm. so that we can. I don't know. Keeps it's your like this, like weird. Down. keeps my anxiety <laughs> down. Like it's just like this really weird thing. Yeah, I don't know.
0: That is, if you want more desire, less.
1: <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it's a good yeah, one. That was a huge one. For it, us. That was we had that on yeah. the fridge for so a while. It, yeah, yeah, and I and and That'd it's be
0: probably our mantra.
1: Totally, and yeah. it's it is a weird thing in terms of a mind a mind shift that happens is that we get into these habits and we get into these weird. Oh, I don't know like these weird patterns that it's like, I'm unhappy. I think that this thing is going to make me happy. So I purchase it. And then really that's not actually what was, Mm -hmm. what was it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think money plays a huge part in like, we were talking about happiness, unhappiness, but it is a deeper, a deeper thing. We really do have to look and be like, why do I want to buy this thing? What is it? Right. Because you're like, if it enhances, I want to buy this. And like the intention of buying the bike is to enhance something that actually does make you happy, yeah, one hundred percent. If you're not too sure, mm-hmm. and that's where I really started with shopping and whatever, is like I, like I even got to a point where it actually makes me uncomfortable shopping, right? Like yeah. I yeah. really, it's weird, yeah. and it wasn't like that before. I shifted to there, yeah. So I really have to want that thing in order to purchase it, yeah, which could be unhealthy. No, no I, I mean. For some people, I don't know. But for me, I'm I'm living a really good life outside of that. Yeah. So I think it's okay. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, okay. I mean, I, I think just always is going back. What I'm really hearing from you guys is kind of those mantras and being intentional. Mm-hmm. And you're controlling what you spend your money on. You're controlling what you spend your time on. One last quick question. If you were given $10 million today, what would you do with that money? And ultimately, do you think it would make you happier than you are right now?
1: Um, I'm going to answer the second question first. Yeah. No. It would not. I think it would cause a lot more stress personally. I, I really You're do. Right. I do because there are yeah. like, when, and especially if other people know about this $10 million. Oh, my, my follow-up question was one. actually,
0: would you tell people?
1: Okay. Cause I would not. Yeah. I absolutely would not. And only because I would never want that to be any sort of, you know, I, I, I want relationships to be genuine. And that's one thing that I think Mm -hmm. is really difficult when money Mm -hmm. comes into play. Like if we can be really honest with ourselves, Mm -hmm. the minute that you know someone's, and this is where it's interesting when people really like to talk about their status and stuff. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting because I prefer not to say anything because I want them to like me for who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think money really does create a weird veil. How interesting
0: is is when you ask someone what they do and they're like, I'm a partner at a law firm or... I'm a CEO of this company, and automatically it's like, oh, wow, okay, I'll give you respect.
1: Weird, right? And, and it's
0: like, I'm a part-time stay-at-home dad, not part-time dad, but part-time stay-at-home dad.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, huh. why would you do that? But rather, when you say rather.
0: that, because I, I want to be home with my kid, I'm like, oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, right, and so I think it depends on the lens that you're yeah. looking through, 100%. But I'm going to say in general, society has like a very much a status attached to a money thing, And I don't know, more money, more problems. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. So I mean, I mean, I like, I mean, if you were to get $10 million, I have no idea where to even start with what I do with that. But the first, I would not tell anybody.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then would it make just, you think, would it make you happier than you are right now? I, no, no,
1: I do not think so.
2: The only thing, the very first thing I would do is is turn off my phone. (laughs) And I feel like that would be nice. Like just be like, okay, okay. I'm going to take a week to just like, Really figure out what we want to do with this. I don't see us moving. I see us like traveling.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: But I'd see it just putting it away, keeping mm-hmm. it quiet, just living our lives. Probably donate a lot more. Yeah, I was going like, to say. Like, yeah, we'd give a lot of it away. It would
1: away. probably be a lot more thought provoking. Like,
2: like, how could how, we, how can we change optimize this? Manner, mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't think I, I don't see too many crazy purchases. That's for sure. I'm going to get the Lamborghini. Out. <laughs> the Lamborghini. Out. Yeah. Maybe a Tesla. Woo. Maybe a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank uh, you. Our Sean. first episode ever. So yeah. thanks so much. I appreciate Woo. it.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. It was really fun. It good. Was really I fun. had fun too.
2: Yeah. I think it really we really got in a good pace near the end there. The
1: yeah. start the
0: start yeah, we'll, we'll listen it's back like, and be like, like <laughs> What are we doing? <laughs> How do we do this?
1: <laughs> we, we should have started off with the money story. I know. Because then I'm just like, well, only because I got so passionate about it. Then I was yeah. like,
2: You got me in. <laughs> started off with some tunes. Know, with some warm-up music. I know. <laughs> All right. Thanks
0: so much. Thanks, John. You've been listening to the Most Hated F Word podcast show. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on Apple or Spotify. And now it's time for me to get the F out.